Hi, everybody. It's Robbie and Garrett here. We just want to let you know that the SAG-AFTRA strike against the uh, studios has happened. And we just wanted to assure everyone that this was recorded before the strike began. And we want to stress that we fully support SAG-AFTRA and the WGA in getting a fair contract. Agreed. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry. As we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager, your two hosts along this journey are my fellow Voyager actor, Garrett Wong, who in 2007 played Commander Garen in Of Gods and Men, and myself, your favorite helmsman, Robert Duncan McNeil, AKA McDunk, RDM, Robbie D, that pilot guy, whatever you want to call me. Remember, everybody, you can get the full version of this entire podcast and all the extra bonus, super cool stuff if you sign up to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers. So, <laughs> of gods and men. Yeah. Let's talk about that oh my gosh i thought that was 2003 that's so funny you you read 2007 is that 2007 what you have on is maybe when they released it maybe yeah. you shot it and it took a couple maybe you know. yeah because my memories was was this it, we had just wrapped voyager and i got a call from tim russ and he said um hey bubba i'm gonna be directing this uh star trek independent feature uh so wondering if you want to want to act in it and i said absolutely not because I, I was, you know, I'd done seven years of Voyager. I said, I, I don't want to yeah. do an independent Star Trek feature. And he goes, uh, but you're not playing Harry Kim. You're playing a character completely opposite. I said, oh, sign me oh. up. So that's what got me. So the minute he said, you're playing someone co completely opposite, Commander yes. Garen. Yeah, and they made it Garen because they were trying to keep it close to my name. So it was Garrett oh. Garen. So that was oh. written specifically. Yes, 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 yes. Well, it, was, it was released in 2007. Yeah. And yeah. The, the synopsis goes a little something like this. Go. In the year 2306, 13 years have passed since Captain James T. Kirk was swept away by the Nexus after saving the crew of the Enterprise B. The remaining crew members of the original Enterprise have gone their separate ways. Captain Nyota Ohura and Captain Pavel Chekhov, along with Captain John Harriman of the Enterprise B, come together for a special dedication in honor of Kirk's Enterprise. Their reunion is cut short, though, when they receive a distress call from a mysterious planet that presses the three friends to embark on a mission that will change their lives forever. There you go. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. How did this it, come about? Yeah, this was uh, this was a project produced by uh, Sky Conway and the writers were, I can't remember right now, I'm blanking right now, but um, the, the the script itself is really good. It's a really good script. It incorporates a lot of different Star Trek actors from a, different shows. Yeah. And yes, and Harriman, did you read Captain Harriman in there? Is, I think yes. that's what you read. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was played by Alan Ruck. Alan Ruck, oh, who played yes. Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and also in Succession, since you've been watching Succession, he's the oldest um, sibling yes, of all Yes, he's had this. like a, the, mm. maybe the biggest job of his career Oh my gosh, what a resurgence yeah. for him, yeah. right, to be able to get that that role. But he played, um, he plays my captain, essentially, Alan Ruck wow. does. 
And uh, yeah, so I play Garen, Commander Garen. I'm the FO, I'm the first officer. And we're just sort of like the evil, the mirror universe kind of crew, right? So we're we're kind of um, the edgy crew, basically. So um, how yeah. did they get the license to do this? I, uh, you know, because it was not produced by Paramount. It was no. produced independently. Right. And they and they title it as Star Trek of Gods and Men is what it is. But the thing is, they didn't sell it anywhere. You see what I'm saying? So if you try to sell your project, evidently, and this is before Paramount came down hard. CBS Paramount yeah. came down hard on all these fan independent projects, mainly because they were dealing with the producer and director and writer of Axanar, who was sort of, you know, banding about, you know, the Star Trek name without any any recourse. And yeah. they they really got their legal involved. And an army of lawyers basically said, if you're doing a fan project, you are not allowed to, you know, you're not allowed to use anything that says Star Trek in it at all. But these guys were, this was before XNR happened. So this, again, Star Trek, I mean, Paramount and CBS were kind of clueless. They weren't sure what to do, really. They just thought, oh, yeah. And personally, my opinion is, if it's a fan film, it's a fan film, right? I mean, it's just yeah. going to generate more interest in Star mm -hmm. Trek. And then they will then watch other official Star Trek stuff and buy official Star Trek merch, whatever. So I, I feel like, eh, do you need to crack down on people doing independent Star Trek projects? I don't know. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'd say no, personally. Super fun project. We shot in upstate New York. Uh, Doug Knapp was our DP. So oh, Doug came right. out. Yeah, Doug came out there. But this is the crazy thing, man. We were filming... We were filming on there's a there's a soundstage up there in upstate New York that basically resembles it, it is the ex exact replica of it's the original replica. series. I've heard set. about this place. Yes, unbelievable. Iconderoga, Iconderoga. Yeah, so yeah. you can you can actually you can actually look it up, book a tour, and you can go over there, and James uh, will let you in and take you on a tour of the set. And it's wow. uh, it's so well done. It's unbelievable. But the issue is. The building that it's housed in is an ex. It used to be a like a an automobile body shop. You know what I'm right. saying? It's like a garage. Right. Yeah. So not good insulation. It's a little rough. Yeah, it's yeah. a little rough. So they don't have insulation for sound. They don't have uh, you know air, good AC. Like it, everything was just sort of the bare minimum. And when we were filming there. Oh my gosh! It was in August in upstate New oh, York. Now you know, so muggy, muggy. <laughs> you know how humid New York City gets. Let's just talk about just anywhere in New York. It's mad. It's bad. It was so bad and so hot and so oppressive. And on that set without any AC whatsoever, I remember just seeing. I was watching Doug walk around. His entire shirt was wet. Just, okay, just completely. <laughs> oh yeah, the entire camera crew. Nobody had anything dry on because that's how much you were sweating. Yeah. Um, the funny. Oh, and the craziest thing was, the time that we were filming was in. It was actually coinciding with the Harley Davidson Festival. Oh, how funny! And there's these train tracks also next to this structure that we were filming in so if we weren't dealing with sound issues from trains coming past it was harley's coming past oh no <laughs> so it was like we'd have a perfect take and then all of a sudden you know and we'd have to do it again and i'm like oh my god and i would look at doug i go doug i don't i don't know how much more of this i can take i mean i'm i'm about to pass out from the heat and every yeah. time we get a good thing going our momentum is cut short by harley's 
And it was just, and he said, I'm sorry, Garrett. I mean, there's nothing we can do. We, yeah. I'm in the same boat as you look at me. And he, he, he does this. And I'm like, I know you're, you're a one, you're, you're basically a walking sweat, perspiration. Everybody's oh, gosh. Just dying. And then the producer thought it would be a good idea to open the setup to fans a couple on a couple two of the days that we were there so fans were there so in between shots i'd go sit down in my director's chair a fan would come up and ask me questions so i would be doing a convention wow panel basically at the same time i'm working yeah and i thought oh my god why it was really that was a real indie yeah indian grueling grueling and it looks like in the photos i saw from of gods and men that there were like classic star trek costumes well which were yeah probably they, very hot yeah they I were hot think. and also the other issue that happened is the head of wardrobe quit two weeks beforehand and didn't have any of the costumes made so oh, it was all last second scrambling to put things together uh tim so tim was directing uh we already said michelle nichols was there uh walter koenig was there as alan well as ruck. another alan ruck and another jg hertzler JG I think, was, was there yes. a lot of people chase masterson Mm-hmm. So I, I'm sure this is a beloved film for the fans. It something is. that's they really like they like you know, it. Yeah, yep. it the feels most... like a, a love letter, something that they would love to see, whether Paramount wants to make it or not. Yes, but it was so oppressive on set. We would walk outside, which is still humid and muggy, but less humid and muggy, just to, yeah. just to cool off a little bit. And my funniest memory of the working on that project was there was a group of five Harleys that were coming around the bend. And J.G. Hertzler was standing right there in the parking lot, right off the road, with a tiny little personal fan. Those little tiny ones, the little plastic ones they, that yeah. Jamie would give us or whoever yeah. makeup would give us. And he's standing there trying to cool off in full Klingon makeup. And it's like this little fan right there. And these Harleys, as they round the bend, they're like, they look over and they're like, what? Because they see the image of a guy in full Klingon makeup full with Klingon a tiny makeup. fan oh, trying to cool funny. off right there. Yeah. And that to me was absolutely hilarious. That's very I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't cause any wrecks from people just driving <laughs> off of the road on their Harley seeing Klingon in upstate funny. New York. Yeah. So very that's, funny. Yeah. That's uh, Star Trek of Gods and Men. There you go. I'll have to check it out. I've never seen it, but I'll have to check yeah, it out. One of it these seems, days you should check seems it. Seems very cool. Yeah. Um, natural law is our episode this week. Yes, yes, yes. Natural law. We're getting really I, close. I can't I believe we're believe this. near the end. It goes natural law, homestead, renaissance man, endgame, end of Voyager. Ooh. Wow. All right. Well, let's go watch it. I can't believe uh, we're this close. Let's go watch this. And we will be right back with our recap and discussion for all our Patreon members. Remember, stick around. We're going to have some bonus material for you coming right up. Okay, we're back from watching Natural Law. Yes, we are. Okay. Um, Let's jump right into our Let's start with our poetry synopsis. Please do. Let's hear your haiku. Here's my haiku. For natural law. Tom has traffic school. Beltron and Ryan paired up. Ventu protected. Now I said traffic school because I know it's pilot school, but it's but you know in L.A. in Los Angeles, if you yes. get a uh, if you get a speeding ticket, some type of infraction yes. that'll give you points on your record, 
you are then allowed to go to traffic school where you sit there for hours just going through all the rules. I did traffic right. school twice during the run of Voyager, yes. I think. Yes. And I did it online. I never went to Oh, you did the online place. one. Okay. I did the online. So it was a yeah. lot of questions, but yeah. Yeah. Well, when I, because you did, when did you come, when did you get out to LA again? What year did you get out there? Like 1990, 89, 90, 90 okay. really. But then so, I went know, back to New York for a few years. Yep. When I was in college, I was at UCLA in 85. So 87, 88, 89, I went to traffic school every year. And then I, and this is the one where you had to go in person, but then they, they gave you comedy traffic school. You, yeah, could, so go, you could go to the comedy clubs. Yes, and I, and, I wanted and the to teacher, do that. Yeah. It was a comedian that would actually teach you the laws and make you laugh. So I did that too, to pass the time, but right. that's why I said, yeah, Tom is traffic school. Well, it's LA. interesting you said traffic school because listen to this limerick. Here we go. Voyager encounters a primitive planet tribe to an isolated life. They fully subscribe. Paris goes to traffic school till he finally breaks every flying rule. But I'm still not loving the seven Chicote vibe. Oh, <laughs> bam, bam, wow. Bam. Traffic school we in both of us. We were on the same wavelength. Yeah, so it was funny. traffic school. Wow. Um, well, you know, your guess was that there was a sort of a romantic flirty thing here, but mm. I didn't think any, there was none in this one. No, right? not really. There no was, kissing, you know, no. there's a little, you know, Beltran always plays seduction, even with you, with Harry, with Tom, he always plays a little like, He's seducing everyone when he's okay. talking. He's got, I feel like that's what, that's yeah. what I get. Yeah. So I did. So Neil feels... plays in love with Janeway when he, yes. when he's dealing with Janeway and, and, Chakotay, and Chakotay with anyone else, he seduces us. He's seducing them. <laughs> and I did feel like the very last scene, I felt like there's a little, well, I'm really glad to be back here. Oh, the you very know, last scene. Okay. There's a little, there's it, hints of it, but it's I not mean, as blatant as I thought it was going to be. Oh, no, no. There's a there's a definite hint, but only at the, the final scene, though. Yeah. On the planet with the Ventu, there's there's nothing. Absolutely well, there, nothing. Well, let's get, as we get into it. Okay, let's that, get into it. There's let's a couple of places it. where I did feel like he, he played the sort of seduction a little heavier, but. All right, let's just talk about writers and directors. Uh, okay. We were correct on director, Terry Wendell. I can't believe I, we both nailed it. We knew that it was, he was in he the was mix. We knew he was come in one more time. Yeah, because he I did kinda, a I, lot of episodes I mean, last season. Did he lose a bet in a poker game with Rick Berman? And he just said, look. You're going to owe me 15 episodes of Voyager Direct. This is pretty much what's going to happen. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how. Very interesting. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's a puzzle. Uh-huh. Story by Ken Biller and James Kahn. K-A-H. Yes. Every time I see Kahn, I think C-A-A-N as the actor, but no. Teleplay by James Kahn. I think I remember reading something that Ken had pitched this story, like in season four or something like that. Oh. Uh, when he was not the showrunner. And so I feel like this story had been around. Ken had had pitched it to Jerry Taylor or the room yeah. or somebody, and they didn't they decided not to do it early in Seven's run. But right then they, he came back around because Ken was our showrunner this last season. Yeah, and maybe they yeah. didn't. They were missing one episode, a storyline for a single episode, and he said, "Hey, what about my season four pitch?" And yeah. boom, here it is. Yeah. Okay. All right, actors. What yeah, about actors? actors. Sure. Let's go through them. Our guest stars, we have Paul Sandman, or Sandman. He played the Ventu healer, the primary adult Ventu yes. person that Chakotay was dealing with. 
His very first credit was a 1991 episode of Civil Wars, is the television mm. series. He has six total credits on IMDb, and three are Star Trek credits of his six total credits. Star Trek Klingon, a voiceover role. Star Trek Klingon Academy, yet another video game voiceover role. And, of course, Star Trek Voyager. Next up, we have Autumn Reeser. I played, know. And I hear, I uh, I'll get I into for, this. Let me, okay, go. Okay. Autumn Reeser, who played the Ventu girl. Now, Voyager was her very, very first credit because at the time, I think she was 20. She was at UCLA. That's her yeah. alma mater. That's my alma mater. We have the same alma mater. And her very early auditioning in her career or in her credits, she has a Burger King commercial, which was my very first on-camera thing oh, as well. Funny. So I have all these similarities with Autumn Reeser. She is 1980 in birth. So she's year the monkey. So she's the same sign as I am. I'm one cycle ahead of her, 1968. And then she went on to portray Taylor Townsend on the OC in from 2005 to 2007. So you directed her. I directed her. Yep. There you go. I, that's what I was about to say. When yeah. I saw Autumn's name come up, Yeah, I was like, oh my God, I've worked with her a bunch. Yeah. I worked with her on the OC. I worked with her on a show called The Arrangement. Yeah. Uh, that was a Bravo or E, e, e Entertainment yeah. when they were doing scripted. Um, I worked with Autumn a bunch. Wow. And I can't believe that, that she I did never this. put this together, that she wow. was on our show. Didn't well, know it. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. the, we yeah. both have some, some connection in a way. Like me, I never, I saw her in the makeup trailer. And I saw the other Ventu in the makeup trailer, but I had right. no scenes with the Ventu, right? Neither did, well, did you? No, no I didn't, didn't I had none. No. So I never spoke with her, but now looking at all these credits and I was like, oh my goodness, this is Oh, she's crazy. done really well and she's oh, a great actress. Yeah. And I can't believe, you know, the premise of this, this primitive society, mm -hmm. they had no lines. No one None, had any lines. Nobody. It was all and, hand signs uh, and- God, and you know so, how difficult that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very As an difficult. actor, yeah. <laughs> no lines. Um, so good job. So good job. All right. Uh, next up, we have Robert Curtis Brown. And I well, first I've also thought, worked with a bunch. Oh I, yeah. You're all over the place. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. I think I did know that Robert did Voyager because when I worked with him again over the years, mm -hmm. I remember we had passed maybe on stage or something, because he was always on the view screen. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Robert Curtis Brown is a great theater actor. I did the Orville with Robert Curtis Brown. Oh, I've good. Done, I've done a, I don't even remember, maybe Desperate Housewives. I've yeah. worked with him a handful of times. and Similar and, to Autumn Reeser. Worked yes. with them a handful of times there. Yeah. So Robert, I keep wanting to say Robin Curtis, which we, we know mm. is one of our Star Trek friends, but yeah. Robert Curtis Brown who played the ambassador very first credit was a 1980 episode of American Playhouse. Yeah. He was a theater guy. It was theater some man. All the fancy. Way. Yeah. He, that's where he came from. He's a great yeah. actor. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next up we have Neil C. Vipond. He's the flying instructor, Mr. Clegg. Your oh my gosh, nemesis. my nemesis, my nemesis. Yes. <laughs> um, first of all, just to say he did pass away on July 15th, 2022 oh, at the wow. ripe old age of 92. So wow. he made it to the, the ninth decade, which is pretty amazing. Wow. Um, very first credit, 1953 episode of a Canadian series called Encounter. Wow. 1953. <laughs> wow. Just, okay. Yeah, that's, that's a while crazy. Back. Yeah. And we have co-stars, Ivar. 
Broger. Ivar Broger. Yeah, Ivar, Ivar or Ivar. Ivar Broger. It's Ivar it's because... Ivar. I, yes, I am friends with Ivar. Oh! I met it's, him when I directed the episode Unity and cast him in his very first television job ever. Wow. He was another theater actor. And he you, did the episode Unity. He was one of the ex-Borg. He was like a what? big role. So oh, my God. This is... He's back on our show. Oh, as a different... this is his second time. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, if did we talk? Well, if we didn't talk about him, I'll just say he played Boris first of all, and mm -hmm. you know him. And 1975 episode of Great Performances was the very first credit for. I I have a feeling Great Performances was uh, a theater piece that was recorded and put on PBS. Oh, all right. I don't think he had ever done anything on film until he did Unity. Oh, you're kidding. That's what he wow. told me, at least. But maybe he meant he had just moved to L.A. Maybe that was his maybe. first L.A. thing. That's a but... big gap. That's 26 years from yeah. 1975. Great performance. But he could have been in college in a you know sure. a production of some know. Shakespeare play yeah. that they filmed and, yeah. you know, put on PBS. So but he says Ivar, right? Ivar. Ivar Broger or Broger? Broger. Broger. Ivar Broger. Yeah. Great. That's how he pronounces it. Yeah. Uh, lovely, wonderful gentleman great actor yeah uh, i've stayed in touch with him over the years he's awesome lovely yeah. i like to hear that matt mckenzie who played the port authority officer 1987 episode of moonlighting mm. the show that's that, a big hit that, big hit that bartender bruce booked yes, <laughs> when we talked exactly. about that. we talked about it <laughs> yes yeah. uh next up we have brooke benko uh the transporter chief in the background there when mm -hmm. Harris meets Mr. Clegg for the first time. She yeah. does have a single line. 2000 yeah. episode of Boston Public. Oh. It was Brooks. Yeah. There nice. you go. All right. And that's it. That's, We've got that's everybody. It? Yeah. Well, before we get into this recap, I just want to say, yeah. and this is a surprise to you. I, well, I yeah. mentioned it just before we hit record. Yes. I have a video of behind the scenes filming this episode out in what I think is Griffith Park. Yeah. Um, location, uh, a bunch of different scenes, some stuff, uh, just a lot of stuff behind the scenes of this episode. I think I was filming for uh, our rap party uh, blooper reel that we were going to put together some behind the scenes interspersed awesome. with the blooper reel yeah. and put some of the crew on. So this was just me filming the crew at work for that. But we're going to show that in the bonus material after this recap. Yeah. So all you Patreon patrons, stick around for your bonus material. Yeah. If you're not a Patreon patron, this is the kind of stuff that we find and add in uh, behind the scenes stuff that we find, interviews. So anyway, I'm excited to, to uh -huh. look at this with you. You it's, haven't seen it. Sounds amazing. Yeah. So for those of you who have been kind of just tuning into our, our free podcast, on the bone, just so you know, with Patreon, I think you can see this video once you sign up for lieutenant level. I think that's five a month, something along those lines. And you can mm -hmm. actually see the bonus, this this actual video. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm super excited and I'm shocked that you found this. I can't wait to play honest. it for you right now at the mm -hmm. end of this mm -hmm. and hear what you say as you see all the faces and oh, all the people there. That's going to awesome. be fun. Yeah. OK, now right. let's get into the story. Yeah. Story. Yeah. Well, you know, what are they doing? They're they're on their way to some conference, but for some reason, Chicote kind of takes a is it a detour just to like look at the the beauty of the of I the think so. He's, he's, he's yeah. just looking out the window yeah. and kind of he's he's he wants to fly down and see this beautiful lush 
planet. Right. Um, they're not in the Delta Flyer. They're in uh, a different, like a class two shuttle or standard Starfleet shuttle. It's one of our older shuttles. Yeah. Well, thank God, because thank you God, know what yeah. happens to that shuttle. So yeah. it's not the Delta Flyer, right? They, um, it's seven in Chicote in the, mm-hmm. in the shuttle. And uh, he's talking about how beautiful it is. She's not interested. And then he's got a line where he says, but you don't see natural beauty like this every day. And when he said it, I rewound. I was like, was he doing a Bob Picardo imitation there? <laughs> I tell you, Seven, there's always time for warp field dynamics. You don't see natural beauty like this every day. It was such a, like, I think Robert Beltran was probably doing a little doctor flair to that delivery. It, was, he it made me laugh. He definitely probably was. That's yeah. so funny. Oh, funny. my goodness. <laughs> but they're, uh, they, they bump. Something happens. There's a big yeah. bump. We, they look outside. They see some kind of force field or dome right over the, yeah. the jungle there, and yeah. the shuttle sort of bouncing <laughs> off of it. it. It bounces, and and there's like a power surge that yeah. happens. They try to use shields, but the shields aren't working. They lose right. impulse engines. The warp core's offline. This shield has caused some kind of power failure in the mm. shuttle mm-hmm. that uh they're they're crashing and so they decide to realign these weapons the phasers and maybe seven says she can open a, a hole in it and they yeah. can sort of crash land they can't even beam out because their transporters won't go through this dome this protective Correct. dome so they fire the phasers uh just as they're heading through the hole um it the, looks like it closes up and chops off the back half yeah. or part of the shuttle. Is that what you're? Is that what you got? Yeah. It look, right. it starts tumbling oh, yeah. Yeah. in the air, and it and, looks like just a total, you know, a total loss of life and property. Like they, I don't know how been, you'd survive. They should have been toast, basically. But well, they, they had. Be- they beam in to the planet and they're both standing up. Yeah, they had the wherewithal to beam in standing up after that little wow. rump top. They should have hit the ground, <laughs> dump, you know, tumbling and rolling and they uh, should have beamed in mid like like, you know, in some crazy like, you know, like they're being flipped around upside yeah. down. It would have been yeah. quite funny. It didn't yeah. match the exterior visual effects. The no. the the crashing was so big and dramatic oh, and then their violent. demon is just standing there yeah it's like and, hey uh, nothing happened yeah and i noticed they had a didn't they have like a case with them or something what no well they end up with a case where'd they get it do they find oh, it along so the they way? beamed in with the case one of them what? yeah did they think <laughs> oh let's beam in with a case so we can I, I, so we can collect debris i don't know I'm it sorry. was just they wouldn't have had time to do that that's no. that's not very practical and not very realistic so no. but that, that's how we that's how we end they're in the jungle yeah and i think this was on the stage i think we built a jungle set i know on they did 16. some mm-hmm. some exterior location work which i think was griffith park in this mm-hmm. which is very close to paramount yeah. 10 minute 10 minute drive mm-hmm. up gower how much do you think production paid to rent out parts of that park to be honest like what did they pay the city for that what do you think they would have charged back then probably yeah. ten thousand a day 10k okay yeah, yeah. plus right. more money for parking lots that they buy out and yeah and they probably had to pay some park guards and, and yeah. so it was probably you know double that each day just yeah. for all the other fringe the incidentals stuff. yeah yeah Okay. And if they were out there two days, I, I'm guessing they were probably out in Griffith Park for a couple of days and on stage for a, a couple of days. Because yeah. it was a ton of cave work, jungle work. It was all, you know, uh, a mashup of real and, and stage work. 
Man, I bet I bet you a lot of their budget is from renting out bits of that park, just yeah. the productions throughout the yeah. year. Yeah, easily. All right, come back we from go, credits. Yeah, we go to credits. We come back. We're still in the jungle. Uh, Seven looks at her tricorder, or does she just look up? But she she realizes the barrier's closed. The yeah. hole that they made is yeah. closed. We reveal that Chakotay has his pants are torn, and he's got this line. It actually looked like a good wound. Like the makeup yeah. department did a nice job. It looks, you know, he got hurt. He's got a mm-hmm. cut. He's limping. And Seven scans him and realizes that he's got a hairline fracture. Hmm. So he's got a broken bone. I just yeah. want to make sure we, it's not just a cut. No. He's got a broken <laughs> bone. A broken leg. Okay. <laughs> yes. He needs fancy medical equipment to sure heal does. that bone or yeah. it's just going to take time. Broken mm. bones take time to heal. There's right. no, there's no other option. It's either Starfleet technology to heal, you know, heal yeah. that, that broken bone or time you yep. know, four, four to six weeks at least. Anyway. Okay. Let's just say he's uh, got a, he's got a fracture. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. I do know where you're going now. Seven, uh, seven basically detects shuttle debris all over the place. So yeah. Chakotay thinks that maybe we can kind of pull together some of these broken components and send type uh, like a distress signal, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the conference is not going to happen. Yeah. He even thinks they can make the conference. He said, um, you know, if we hurry, he says we might even make the conference with his so, broken leg. Yeah. Yeah. But he loves where they are. Couldn't ask for a nicer place. And they start looking for debris. We cut out to this space station. Yeah. Which I guess is where the conference was going to be. Right. These are the the Ladosians. The yes. Ladosians. Yeah. We see the Delta Flyer doing some super cool moves. I made yes. a note, like, that's the kind I, of Tom Paris flying that I miss. Like, <laughs> I've been talking about that lately. Which you do more of later, too. Yes. Which, which is comes, awesome. Thank God. I love that scene uh, with Clegg. But, <laughs> yeah, he sort of dives under a ship and cuts in a tight space. Yes. And, He's arriving to this this port station and suddenly he gets a hail. Uh, an officer, I guess, comes on the screen and says, yeah. guest, guest vessel 74656, this is port control, shut down your engine, basically mm-hmm. pulling him over. Mm-hmm. And Paris is like, what's up? And he goes, <laughs> uh, you committed uh, violation 256, you're in trouble. And Paris tries to charm his way out of it. You know, the officer is not moved. And he says there's going to be a penalty for this flying some and Paris wants to know what it is. Yeah. And uh, he say he says the officer says, we'll tell your commanding officer. And all I could think of was like, don't argue with a cop, Tom. Like, why are you, you know, just say, yes, sir. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Take the ticket. Deal with this later. But he's like, he's trying to charm his way out. Argue. Yeah. And. Uh, did you think of the? Did you think of the scene from Q two where the Chakuzin was actually Q and saying you're gonna have to, you have to pay, you'll have a fine, but I can't tell you what it is yet. It was almost yes, like a, a yes. similar sort of feeling. Similar going thing. On. Yeah. By the way, when Tom first comes to a stop after that exterior shot, where it's really cool. Yeah. I they cut inside and you see Tom powering down some levers and things. Yes. And I was like, we never do that. I love that. It ah. was a it was a piloting story beat where I could use the levers and right. turn the engines down and right. you know settle back. It was I, I just I I was happy with the way I was animating and using the props and things. Yeah, it looked good. 
Because there was no rules and no instruction Mm-mm, on that. No, you it was up to of, you. Yeah. <laughs> you pretty much figured out the sequence of the shutdown and it looked, yeah. it looked very natural. So yeah. good job. I was happy with that. So in the ready room, Paris <laughs> opens the scene with piloting lessons. And I guess he's got to take piloting lessons, traffic school. Um, and I just thought in the scene, Janeway's telling him he's got to take a trafficking traffic school or piloting school. And she's like, it'll give you time to brush up on all your skills. And well, you, you kind of say like, we're not even going to be here that long. And she's like, no, there's a conference that seven and Chakotay were invited to. So yes. yeah, you got plenty of time to go through this piloting but school. <laughs> I felt like in this scene, Kate Mulgrew was really enjoying Tom or me, Robbie, oh, yeah. you know, being like completely outraged and powerless. She was, Kate's eyebrows and smirks and smiles, her facial mugging was hilarious to me. <laughs> uh, Kate, I love Kate Mulgrew's faces. She does. She had tons of thoughts and feelings in this scene. It was fun. It was very funny. Uh, back to the jungle, I think. Right. Yeah. We're back. In the, but let me ask you, were you, did you, were you upset that Kate was, Oh no, I think that it's, Janeway was I love that way playing like, Paris? like, okay. I love okay that that was her choice and it just made me more frustrated. Like I was totally, <laughs> I can't believe you're not s- telling them that I'm the best pilot in the alpha quadrant. Like, yeah. wah, I don't need traffic school. <laughs> oh, it was fun. All right. It made me laugh. We're, we're back in the jungle. They find a little piece of debris. It's completely just, you know, nuked. So they can't do anything with it. But then Chakotay's tricorder picks up some other life signs. And they, this is when we are introduced to the Ventu. They're kind of like lower down in the valley when you yeah. first see them, uh, the shots from the distance. And um, they're very primitive. I mean, this is definitely a pre, 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 pre warp society. No use of any technology, so to speak. Right. Yeah. And I couldn't tell where that POV, when they looked down, at the you know the village or whatever mm. it felt like a a combination of vis effects and a sta- a high angle on stage because there were the caves which mm-hmm. we know were on set yeah there was a lot of jungle around it but it felt a little vis effects right. you know those kind of shots are hard to get because you've got to get way up on the stage to right. get enough room for them to fill in all that extra stuff around but so they brought a crane in for that they probably brought a crane in Mm -hmm. i remember i don't know if this was the shot but i remember uh marvin talking about a shot like this this could be the one but where they had to take the camera up into what's called the perms so the perms are probably 75 feet up in the air it's all those catwalks that are way up high where they rig the ropes that hold sets Uh... and walls and things up they took that and their stairs that looked terrifying to me along the stage wall. And they could, this could have been the shot where they went up into the perms and then pointed the camera over the edge of a catwalk looking down oh, to wow. get that angle. They might have done that. Oh, my goodness. On stage. That, yeah. th- this shot definitely felt like it was enhanced and they would have had to do something like that. Wow. Yeah, we see the village and then they decide that uh, Chicote is very interested and he wants to get a closer look. And Seven's like, no, we're not on an anthropological mission. Yeah. And he says, yeah, okay, you're right. Let's search for debris. He starts to move and he collapses in pain. Yeah. And I, I wrote down great head fling, Robert. He did this <laughs> like dramatic, oh, and fell down. It was a little Shatner-esque, you know, I, I, it, it was fun. It was funny to me, <laughs> actually. 
<laughs> Seven a... says Seven says he's developing an infection. He should rest. And so he's going to stay there and kind of keep out of sight. And she's going to go and keep foraging for more parts. Yeah, I think the thing that felt Shatner-esque about it is he was so interested in like classic Robert, like, you know, this village, these people are so interesting. He was calm. And then suddenly it was like, ah, <laughs> it was just such a big turn. I was like, whoa, that's a Shatner move. That is, yeah. Well, you know, when you got Expert. a broken leg, you got a broken leg. You got to yeah. go, you got to go, gotta uh, go. you got to up your performance. Yeah. Yeah, so he rests against the tree trunk, and uh, Seven's going to go see if she can find anything. Mm -hmm. So we see Seven collecting more spare parts. She finds another part. And I thought, well, what is she going to do with all these spare parts? Like, I guess <laughs> they're just going to see what they get and then MacGyver it together. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. But she calls she calls to uh, Chakotay. Yeah. And, and then it cuts to his combat, just like basically off camera of her line right so yeah. it starts on her and then it jumps to him but he's sleeping kind of he's sort yeah. of like he's unconscious Against the tree he's kind yeah. of dozed off and it's, this red hand comes in yeah <laughs> yeah it's one of the villagers yeah. and they touch him and he he jumps up and then when he jumps up the guy reaches out grabs the combat throws it on the ground and yeah. then smashes it stomps on it yeah stop no it doesn't he hit it with a rock no, he, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no. He does it. Yeah, yeah. He rock yeah, he hits it with it. a rock. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He takes the combat, throws it on the ground, and then yeah. there's a tight shot of this rock hitting it. And then it breaks like it's glass. And I thought, <laughs> isn't it made of titanium or some <laughs> Starfleet yeah. metal that, yeah, like, it's... haven't we gotten beyond dropping our phone and things just break? Like, but see, clearly in this atmosphere, all of our combat is turn into very brittle, brittle material. That's yeah, what I guess that's I'm going to go with that. <laughs> yes, it completely you yeah. know, shatters into it's, a million Like I said, it was like glass. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. very funny. We cut back to seven. She can't reach him. So she puts the part in the case, the case that they luckily brought with them when they <laughs> transported out of that dramatically tumbling thing uh puts in a case and walks away i'm getting a feeling you don't like this episode that much <laughs> all right so there's a passage of time it's nighttime yes and we she's trying she's trying to track jacote she follows his bio signal to this cave she sees he's lying on a blanket all the natives around him. So she thinks he's, I don't know, something's happening to him. They're accosting him. So she's like, step away, step away. And she goes, you know like, no, it's I okay. Feel like, I feel like I'm you in this comment because you often make this comment. Yeah. When I saw this, I was like, this looks a lot like Avatar aliens. Like, oh. <laughs> like their costumes, their hair, their <laughs> prosthetic. I felt like it was the a little in the vein of like the Avatar uh you know people yeah and then i looked up the navi, i was like the navi the navi mm -hmm. but when i looked up when was avatar made it wasn't made for like another oh, seven another or eight years oh yeah right it's not out yet <laughs> so obviously we didn't steal from avatar but no, i wonder James cameron stole from us clearly I, it feels no, like yeah. it no he was I think I think Tom Paris is James Cameron's favorite character, and he saw that you were doing this kind of cool flying thing, so he really paid attention him. to this episode. Oh yes, and then he saw the Ventu, and he went Ventu. I like the V, 
Navi. Navu. And so Navi. he went with Navi Ventu, Naventu, Navi. That's what he did. I think he might have. But they honestly, they do look a lot like the, the they Navi. They do. The Navi exactly from, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway. Because when I, when I look at this, they do, because the Navi to me are very mm, African tribesmen looking, right? Like yeah. from the African continent. And same thing here with the, the red paint and the way that the girl's hair was. Uh, very much like certain tribes that you can see, um, uh, primitive tribes that still, at least back in the day, I, I suppose, on the African continent. So that's yeah. what I saw. Yeah, maybe that's where writing. they both got inspired from yeah. similar sources. Um, Definitely. Anyway, uh, she sees Chakotay um, yeah. lying on this this grass bed or something. Yeah. And then she she says, step away from him and shines a light to them. Yeah. And I thought she doesn't have her weapon drawn. Like, how does she know that they're so primitive they don't she, have weapons? Yeah. She's gonna she's gonna, you know, stun them with her light. Yeah. <laughs> well, just, it, it just did shine the them. light. They, they sort of they scurried quickly. But even in this case, you don't yeah. know. You would just for defense or yeah. protection, you would right. have your phaser out. Did she not have a phaser? I don't think she has a phaser, but she's oh. got the she's got the utility case that can be a, a shield and a weapon if yeah. you know how to wield it correctly. Yeah, maybe they don't have phasers. That actually just occurred to me. But yeah. I was just surprised she only holds the light up and Yeah. Yeah. But everything's okay. He's like, Yeah, look, they bandaged my leg, they put some herbs on it or whatever. Some and, herbs, and they've wrapped feels... a banana leaf around it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's gonna help the broken leg. The banana leaf. <laughs> That's how skeptical I was. But we'll get there. We'll get there. So, okay, listen. The banana leaf has medicinal properties. I'm sure it does, but it can't it's... heal a break. A broken bone. I don't care if it's a fracture. I don't care. I've had broken bones. There's nothing but time unless we have okay. Starfleet technology. Banana really? leaves are not going to do. Sorry. Anyway. All right. The banana leaf is wrapped around his leg in a, <laughs> in a splint. And yeah, she turns off the light. They talk. Chakotay explains that, you know, uh, you couldn't reach me because your call on my combat scared them and they broke it. Um, and he says, this is really good shelter. And they're helping me with this banana leaf on my legs. So <laughs> let's just rest. I, you know, I'm going to rest and I suggest you do the same. And she's left sort of sitting nearby. Yeah. And, and there's flickering, by the way, there's flickering firelight from the fires everywhere. Right. And I just want to say to the audience, when you watch these episodes, we didn't really have, we sometimes would have real fires. But if it was this situation where it's just on the walls, it yeah. would be light bulbs on what's called like a variac or a yeah, uh, a, you know, a, a thing it, that would flicker, a flicker yeah, that would driving. that would give it it would give it juice and then it would take it would block it. It was on. Per, that's the device. It would just yeah. flicker the light. That's it. But it was right? it was yeah. literally light bulbs that would just, yeah. you know, strobe and flicker yeah. around to to yeah. replicate a fire. But there was it works. Didn't have, it works. Totally yeah, you can't tell the difference. Um, beautiful. <laughs> we uh, we do see Autumn Reeser for the first time kind of trying to touch seven's implant at that point and she at first i was like because i've worked with autumn but yeah. much more recently like mm. the oc yes was maybe five six years after this yeah. but um on the arrangement that was just yeah. a few few years ago yeah and so when i saw autumn in this first shot i was like is that her because I, I, there's so much makeup and, and that like, wig I yeah i think it's her yeah I, you know <laughs> so funny but, all right yeah 
Very Let's cool. move on. We're back on Voyager. We're in the corridor and we have Kim, Neelix and Torres at this point in the walk and talk. And Kim starts off talking about how Chell says we shouldn't miss the flame garden. So we're talking about the Bolian on our show. So we mm-hmm. have reference to some of the other characters we haven't seen in a while. Neelix talks about how the Arboretum is beautiful as well. Torres says we can do both. And that's when Tom comes around the corner. And I got to say, like, yeah, you yeah. just appeared. I just appeared. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're joining us. Oh, that's right. You have to go to pilot school. I feel like I I relished this moment as Everybody much as Janeway. Did. We Everybody. love piling on you. And I felt bad, to be perfectly honest, when I watched this. I said, I'm a little too hard on Robbie right no, now. No, it was Tom. funny. No, it was funny. It was funny. <laughs> so you're okay with it. Okay. Yeah, the thing I wasn't okay with is I yep. feel like we, uh, the blocking of walking down the hallway the three of you and then me joining you. It was like four people in a walk and talk shot. Mm. It just felt like we were walking as if we knew there was a shot, a camera. Mm. I wish we had been a little more staggered and broken up. And maybe, yeah. I, you know, I could have come from behind you and and caught up to us, caught up yes. to you. Yes. Or yes. It just felt like the simplest, shortest walk with four people side by side so that, you know, they have their opportunity for lines and they didn't have to cover it. It just, I don't know. I wish we had been a little more natural. It felt, it felt. What about this? What about this take? You come in, but you stumble and fall and you're now flat on your back. And now the shot is the POV of you looking up and all of us are looking down at you and like, oh, you're joining us. That would have been kind of funny. Different, you know, no one would have known. Anything to break up. (laughs) Fine. Yes. But uh, yes, Tom's going to meet his his pilot uh, lesson instructor. They all go into the transporter room. Yeah, and uh, then this man Clegg, Mister Clegg, uh, the flying instructor, is mm-hmm. beamed aboard, and yeah. he is all business. This character is all business. And by the way, I love his character. I thought he was awesome. In this he was episode. great. And as soon yeah. as I saw him, so many memories. I forgot about this episode and yeah. this whole story for yeah. even for Tom's part of it. Um, but as soon as I saw him. Mm. I remembered, oh, yeah, this guy, I remember doing a bunch of scenes with him. And I remembered, so his character is all business and, you know, humorless and very sort of dry and bossy. I remember the actor was kind of like that. And I remember feeling like, is he doing this with me? Like between the method? Maybe he was method or maybe it was just he was playing kind of himself. But I was like, even doing the scenes with him, I was a little bit like, he's all business. He's very, he's, yeah. he's, he's uh, he was, it, it was funny. Yeah. I vividly remember doing those scenes with him and how between the shots, it was very much like the scenes themselves. Like, did you try, did you try like, to make like, him laugh? Hey, I think camera? that was a good, yeah, I tried. Yeah. He wouldn't laugh. <laughs> Nothing. I tried to chat him up. He wouldn't chat. I was just like, Wow. This is okay. This is for real. He, I he think he was a method actor. That just sounds. He like must it. have been. Yeah, he must have been. <laughs> That's yes. so funny. Oh my god! But he comes in and and Neelix and Kim and uh, and Torres all sort of tease him <laughs> about. Oh yes, he's very patient and never impulsive. And and Harry says, oh, he'll enjoy all the time you can give him. Take all the time you want. So <laughs> this is a very funny cute scene and tom asks like how long is this going to take and Clegg says oh usually about four hours but there's no rush right and i loved my awkward smile as we exit the transporter room 
I really liked the storyline. Yeah. It was, even though this episode, the Navi part of oh, the yeah. episode to me yeah. Yeah. was a little flat. Okay. Um, good, good themes in there, but yeah. I enjoyed watching Tom squirm and be out of fish out oh, of water. It, um, hey, this is a was, great, great B storyline. Yeah. Oh, yes. I loved watching all, and you give good face in your reaction. I know. As I get well, a lot of mugging. And, <laughs> no, it was. And I know I'm biased here, yeah. but I usually I'm more critical of myself. But in this episode, I was like, "Oh, this was fun. This was funny." And I, it I, was, I feel like, yeah. And yeah. you need you need that you know B storyline to sort of lighten it up a little bit. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I was so relieved every of, time we went back yes, to the driving yes. school. I was like, "Thank God, we're back at driving school." <laughs> anyway, we go down back down to the planet. Chakotay's trying to draw a, a map in the dirt. Yeah. He talks about a river. Yeah, you know, the man doesn't understand him. So he draws what a river is, sort of yeah, pour some water pour, on pour it. some so, water in there, yeah. and then and the he, guy gets it, and the guy makes a hit the like hand a, signal, a hand signal, like mm-hmm. something under, like under yes. the underwater or something. Yes, yes. And so Chicote copies this hand gesture, mm-hmm. and then they talk about mountain. He points to a mountain, mm-hmm. and uh, it's this. You start like this and go up. That's yeah. mountain. Yeah, yeah. There was some really interesting creative. Uh, sign language, I guess. You yeah, call nonverbal it. communication happening. Yeah, yeah there was some definitely. really good stuff. I like it, but he does find out where he is. Like he now knows because yeah, he he's draws got a that little, little map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a trade happens where the uh, main Ventu guy sees his pips. little, yeah, his pips, his maquis, yeah. you know, little pet badge, yep. whatever it is, and he he wants it, so he trades him basically what looks like a nut <laughs> for it. Yeah. It's like. Here, this nut for that thing. And maybe that's the medicine that heals his broken leg. Clearly. That must be it. Because a banana Clearly. leaf ain't doing it. No. Um, okay, that's let's that solved that whole problem for me now. Okay. <laughs> it's seven sees this exchange and she walks over and she kind of makes fun of him a little bit, you know. Yeah. It's like I hope you <laughs> did you make a favorable exchange? It was a little it's a little, little judgy. That, I thought. She was a little yeah. judgy. Yeah. But was. he's the one that was you know, he's the one who, well, he knows. Yeah. He's a commander. He knows the Starfleet rules. He knows that giving any technology, I don't know if there's any technology in the pips. I doubt no. it. No, yeah. just a pip. So maybe that's why he feels like it's almost like a rock. I guess it's the safest thing that he could do. Yeah. But they do make the exchange and she says that she's found some other components mm-hmm. and Chicote says, great, I've been mapping the area. Here's the river we passed. Here's where we are now. And they realize it's probably about six kilometers away. And Chicote says, well, maybe one of them can take you there. And she goes, no, we need to limit our... So she's like distance, distance, distance. She's trying to prime directive it is what yeah. she's trying to do. Yeah. Yes, she is. As much as Chicote's not. No. She decides to go alone and um, not let them see her building a Tetrion-based signaling device that would break the Prime Directive. Yeah, so Seven leaves, and we do see that Autumn Research character, the girl, is watching. And kind of, um, do we see her follow her at this point? No, we see her watch her leave, right? She's just that, watching. Yeah, she's kind of hiding right. hiding behind uh, a tree or something. We yeah. cut over to Seven in the woods. She trips over a tree root and drops her tricorder down a hole in the ground. Hey, uh, what what kind of hole is that? It's like what the no. It's I'm... a I don't know. It was a weird hole. It was on stage, I'm sure. Yeah. It was just a dark 
before you yeah but before you jump into that let's just finish out that end scene a very funny part where the ventu man has built a walking stick for chakotay so he starts using that he's very happy and he hobbles over to a group of teenage ventu that are standing there yeah and he says hello to them and he turn around and they they've been drawing his tattoo on each yes, other's heads. Yes, they're painting because they think it's cool. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and that was I laughed at that definitely. There are he's already changing their culture. Changing the prime their culture. director, just right. the littlest, right. smallest action yes. can have big, big ripple effect. Yeah. Um, I love the hello sign by the way because mm-hmm. he does. He does a hello and it's like a fist by the heart and a, yeah, and then it opens up. Yeah. Opens up like a fan or something. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. a finger fan. It was cool. Yeah. I, I really like that one. Yeah. Oh, back to the jungle. Yeah, she loses that tricorder. And her hair is coming loose, which I love that her you know, she's loosening up a bit. Yeah. She's sitting by the tree when suddenly she hears a noise. She calls out, identify yourself. And Autumn Reeser, the girl, comes over with a blanket and puts yeah. the blanket over over her uh, shoulders. And then she grabs some some stones and squeezes some oil from some kind of nuts or fruit or something. And she makes a fire. Okay. Because I, I thought she squeezed the oil out of a rock. I was like, man. Oh, I thought it was strong. like a nut it's, or, yeah, a well, or a berry fruit. or fruit or something. Yeah. Yeah. But Seven says, oh, an exothermic reaction. So Seven knows how that happened. Obviously, the girl just knows that if we put this on there and um, scrape the stones together, it will cause this fire. Yeah. And Um, she pulls some type of, I don't know, It's it looked like a tree bark or maybe it's a root, some type of root to get to Seven to eat. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. It's a cheese puff. She gives her a cheese puff. That's why they're orange because they keep eating ah, Cheetos. They keep eating cheese, and the cheese from the cheese residue gets all over yeah. their face and their body. And they just started just once they got their face dirty, they just said, "Hey, ha ha ha!" They laugh and they continue the color down their body. Yeah, and they're they're Cheetos. eating flaming hot Cheetos. Flaming hot is Cheetos. What they're eating. Yeah, flaming hot Cheetos definitely. Like if you've ever eaten flaming hot Cheetos, you turn you turn orange. orange. Your fingers. Turn- yeah, pretty much. So I think that's what it was. I'm actually salivating uh, for Cheetos now because of she, she offers her the flame hot Cheeto and seven at this point says, no, thank you. I'm not hungry. Yeah, she's not. Um, no. And now we go to the shuttle bay. Oh, the yeah. Delta Flyer and the teachers inside there um, getting a, a rundown of the Delta Flyer. Tom is oh. very proud of it. Yeah. But um, but then the, the teacher starts criticizing all the systems like yeah. you know uh, well, ina- inadequate uh, system integration visibility is impaired by lateral right. sensor arrays insufficient console accessibility and then paris tries well, to go along with them he's trying to kiss up yeah but the thing that he 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 lands on is the polarity thrusters he says they've been known to cause accidental acceleration and then paris kind of like you know, he's like, oh, yeah, exactly. And why should yeah, I was, be held responsible for the design of the, fault, the, the ship's the flaws? Ship. Yeah, yeah, it's the ship's flaws, yeah. the design. And then Clegg, Clegg's like, well, according to my records, you were the designer. So he he's done his homework. There's it no backfires. way. Yeah, it you, can't get, oh, you can't escape from this guy. <laughs> he's too good. Yeah. I just imagine that this guy has been this pilot instructor 
for the last 46 he's heard every years. Like he's, the, he's heard it all. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a by the book guy. Oh, he doesn't go with any, my dog ate my homework. Excuse no, no. no. <laughs> so, um, we're back in the jungle. Yeah. She's wearing the blanket that Autumn Reese or the girl gave her. Yeah. I call it the M&M blanket. Cause it's this blanket with like M&Ms, you know, attached to it. These little, red and yellow and green you call it the m&m M&M blanket my notes say the skittles blanket so Ah, i've got skittles Skittles and you got m&ms yes (laughs) or the candy blanket let's just say that for all of our listeners that may not have m&ms or skittles in their country the candy blanket yeah it looks like little candies attached to the blanket (laughs) it was adorable yeah the girl um offers her food again they wake up they look around at the you know the trees nature seven is kind of seven's starting to soften a bit Mm -hmm. um and the girl offers her food again this time, but she takes it, which you feel like Seven's starting to loosen up. Her hair's falling down even more. And then Seven draws a map and says, hey, I'm trying to get here. Yeah. Can you show me? And the girl says, yes. She points and they they start walking. But they yeah. take a detour. They, they take, take a, detour. a detour. Yeah. And, and Seven's like, wait, I thought it was the other way. And then yeah. the girl takes her to this triple waterfall. Yeah. Beautiful vis effects there. And... Seven uh, starts to, you know, interrupt and say, look, we really have to go. And the girl sits down and it's great because Seven does need to slow down. She does need to appreciate things. Yes. And so she's starting just to sit with this girl and look at the beautiful waterfall and Mm -hmm. the birds and the trees. And it's uh, it's like Avatar is what it's like. (laughs) It's beautiful. Yeah. We're back in the clearing where Chakotay is. He's stressed out. He's really stressed out right now. He's just like, you know, he doesn't, he hasn't seen seven. He's a little stressed out. The guy doesn't know what he's talking about. So he drops down and he draws in the dirt of what seven looks like. And I, at first I thought, oh my gosh, he did not just do that. Did he? Cause I thought he drew two round circles to be, you know, boobs yes that's what i thought okay and i was like no he didn't do that but in reality he drew a a big circle as the face two smaller circles with a line down the middle that's the that's the nose then he did the side dolphin looking implant implant. that's what it was so i i had to rewind it but i initially i thought you did just you didn't just draw breasts did you Uh, but no he didn't it was two eyes nose and the implant and that's clearly um yeah yeah, he drew he drew a very primitive version of Seven's face to show the technology. He's looking for technology like what Seven yeah. has. Right. He grabs the, one of the native girls. One of the and girls brings her over. Yeah, and she has a piece of technology, debris tied to her eye to look like yes, Seven. To, to look like Seven. seven. Yeah. yeah. And Chikote's like, "Where'd you get this?" And then they show him. They bring him a bag filled with stuff they've collected. Yeah. And he asks where. Yeah. And we go back to Seven, who's found a piece of the, like the nose cone of the, of the shuttle. Yeah. Stuck on the ground, a part of it. And um, the girl tries to, to touch, touch it. Seven's yeah. like, no. Don't yeah. touch it. Don't touch it. And Seven starts to work. And then mm-hmm. we go back to our ship. Uh, we're in Astrometrics. Janeway is talking with Tuvok. Um, Tuvok says, you know, Chakotay failed to report and we can't get a response from them. Mm -hmm. They didn't show up at the conference, right? That's what Harry says. Uh, Janeway basically says anything on sensors. And Kim goes, yeah, we've located a whole signature 
over the southern continent, a hull signature over the southern subcontinent, but it's only a wing. That's it. Yeah. And what's crazy is that Janeway's like, wait, 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 wait. That is really low for something to be in orbit. And, and Tupac's like, no, it's not in orbit. It's sitting on an energy barrier. So that piece yes. of the wing is right on top of the force field, which I thought was yeah. kind of funny. Um, so anyway, the mystery continues. They're not sure what's going on. Our scans cannot go beneath yeah, the Yeah, Tupac field. says standard scans didn't reveal its presence, but we were able only able to detect it using our Borg sensors. Mm. And I just thought, wait, we have Borg sensors? Yeah. Why don't Why don't we always use Borg sensors? Like, why we should? Why, like, when we have lines where we're like, "Sorry, nothing on sensors, Captain." Shouldn't we just go try the Borg sensors? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, got it. Like, why don't we do that? Or why don't we just start with the Borg sensor? Or why don't we say nothing on the Borg sensors? We can try Starfleet, <laughs> the Starfleet Be band. Because I, as Starfleet, as Starfleet personnel, we are trained one way. And one way, we know one way and I one way I guess only. so, but like so, we have Borg sensors? Yeah. I didn't know that. So, <laughs> and they're better? Just use those. Anyway, Janeway says, you know. Um, Hail the ambassador. Yeah. 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 But, but Tuvok does say, you know, the barrier is deflecting all of our scans because Janeway wants to see if if the shuttle went through that barrier. Right, the, he can't the read it. On yeah. top. Mm -mm. And Tuvok's like, you know, our, the barrier is deflecting our scans. And I was like. Use the Borg, Borg scanner. You, use the Borg. <laughs> you just said they're so much better. <laughs> That's funny. Jamie does say to hail the Ladojian ambassador. So yep. now we're the next scene. We're on the bridge with the ambassador on the view screen, and you know he kind of explains uh, uh, what basically happened, and that he's sorry that he didn't warn them beforehand not to go anywhere near that area. Mm -hmm. But it's his. It's his thinking that our 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 people are done. He doesn't think that they survived. And, yeah. Uh, um, but we get a little bit of backstory on what's going on here. Um, the Ventu are basically uh, kind of primitive ancestors to them in a way. Um, and at least their people, their ancestors used to be at war, I think, with the Ventu at some point. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. They talk about that. And here, they or they do later? a little bit. And the yeah. aliens erect this hundreds of years ago. These aliens erected this dome to protect them and they haven't yeah. been back. So it's just a mystery. They cannot find a way through it. They talked about protecting the Ventu because yeah. their ancestors. Yeah, the Lodosians fought them and polluted their habitat. That's what yes. it was. And so therefore that other intelligent species stepped in, covered them, the Ventu with a dome and says, you're not going to mess with these peeps yeah. anymore. That's what yeah. happened. Yeah. I did like at the end when the ambassador sort of leans in on the, onto the desk and yeah. is like, he's like, the generator is inside. There's no way to access it. He's sort of leaning in. Yeah. And I just thought we never have our, our characters on the view screen. They always just sort of sit there. Stay in one, one place. place. Yeah. They might move their head a little bit. Yeah. I love that he Robert Curtis in. Brown. He, yeah, yeah he, he did a little blocking. It was nice. I love that. Yeah. Made something out of nothing. That's what yep. he did. Yeah, mm -hmm. We're out in space. The ca captain says, although the Ladosians are skeptical, they're allowing us to try to locate our people. Meanwhile, we've begun to analyze this shuttle fragment. Mm. And then we go into engineering. We've got a giant piece of the shuttle. That's the wing, that part of the wing that's, that was a sitting on top, right? We got it's that. In, in, it's in engineering. And I was like, yeah. why isn't this in a cargo bay? We, you know, that's usually, or... Because Torres has to do the examination. So she beat Yeah, but couldn't she do, she can do all that in engineering. It just seems like it, you're going to put it right in the middle of the warp core room, like this thing. It's, it's, 
people working on, they got a lot of other things happening in this room. When you want to do this somewhere that's like sealed and I don't know, it just seemed like an odd place. And this giant thing sitting in the middle, uh, right next to the warp core. I know you like the B storyline, but you are so critical right now. It's making oh, me laugh so I much know. right now. I Why know. is it in engineering? It should not even be there. It should be in the cargo yeah. bay, damn it. <laughs> Torres does discover that the feedback from this dome, this barrier, is what destroyed the shuttle. And yeah. she says, if we're not careful, the same thing could happen to us. Right. Like If we try to penetrate it like like Seven and Chicote did yeah. with phasers or something, it, it could destroy our entire ship so this is a very dangerous rescue mission it is tuvok does talk about how they found uh, similar technology in seven's borg database so it's the borg evidently did assimilate the species or we think that they assimilated the species that erected the dome the energy yeah. dome yeah yeah we go back to uh seven and this debris field um autumn Reeser is making some bracelets from magnetic pieces of rock so we see these rocks that are kind of like magnets jumping together yeah um which is going to be a problem later um <laughs> but uh <laughs> chicote shows up right chicote With, shows uh, up and seven Man. seven yeah. has a ponytail by the way yeah yeah she doesn't which have her she had i like she it. had it was great. I loved it. I wish yeah. she had a ponytail more often time. on the ship. Mm -hmm. But um, what did she tie it with? I guess. I oh, guess she, the, it shows later. Girl. It's a little piece. Of, yeah, the girl gave her a little piece of, of thread or, or their fabric. Oh, okay. and she used that to tie it. You see it hanging off of her in the later scene. So Okay, great. Orange. Your yeah, favorite color. Like, it's orange. Your favorite oh, color. There you go. It. Your hat has orange on it too, right? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Moab, Utah. Love it. Looks yeah. great. Okay. So we're in the debris field. Chicote shows up with the man. Um, yeah. Seven asks for his tricorder, but Chicote's like, nice to see you too. I like that, actually. Yeah. Um, she tells him that hers fell down that weird hole, and she's going to maybe try to transmit a signal by neutralizing uh, the, the force field with a dampening field from the deflector of this crash shuttle. So she's got a plan. She does, um, but it can't happen there. They have to. I think they have to be on higher ground for this thing yes. to work. Um, yes. So that's why they um, they talk about moving it. And you know, Chakotay's like, "Look, that thing weighs a ton. So what are we gonna do?" And Seven's like, "Oh, we can maybe enlist their help." And that's what they do. That's what they do. Chakotay's a little worried about enlisting their help yeah. for the first time. He's like, "I don't know if we should involve them." Um, so he's flip flop back to the prime directive team, but yeah. Um, but he does eventually say that once they do all this, they can disrupt this. Uh, deactivate well, the barrier. Yeah, yeah he's Chicote is worried they may de uh, deactivate it permanently, which would be a huge change. So yeah. uh, Seven says, no, it, it should go back and reinitialize after we yeah, do after this we get out. procedure and mm -hmm. get out of here. Back to the traffic flyer. school. Yes. <laughs> um, Basically, this is a scene out in space where the flyer is going through a cones course, like at the DMV when you get yeah. your driving test and you have to drive through the cones. And right. But it's going through very slowly, like molasses. Oh, basically. yeah. <laughs> yes. Leg. Yeah. So Clegg does say to Paris after uh, Tom flies through some of these cones, he says, so you can uh, execute a turn at less than 300 kph. Well done. 
That's really slow, 300 kbh. That's really <laughs> for the flyer, yeah. For the flyer, that's like Tom's in pain. Oh my gosh! But you're but you're so impatient. You want to take the test and get he's out. He's impatient, of there. but you he's know that your trying to be missing. charming, yeah. trying to be, you know, uh, really polite about it. But yeah. he's trying to get out of here, and he even says, "My friends are missing. I want to help find them." And mm-hmm. And the driving instructor says, well, that's very nice, but I can't treat you any differently than the other people that take this course. And then he ends it with, besides, you're become you're getting very close to becoming an adequate pilot. Rude, rude, rude. What a burn. Oh, I love it. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, we go to this rocky rise where the Venture helping drag this uh nose cone of their shuttle up yeah. to the very top and then seven says you know stand back this is where i was like is this griffith park and then huh. i made that note i was like this is not on stage this is definitely out it looks like griffith park yeah when i found that uh footage that we're going to show in the bonus material oh, good yeah there is some of that footage of this scene of them dragging the thing oh. up so Fabulous. So it was Griffith Park. You get to see behind the scenes. It was Griffith Park. Okay. And uh, anyway, they drag it up and uh, Seven says, you know, not so close. Back Mm -hmm. up to the bridge. Um, Voyager is trying to phaser the barrier, but they're getting this feedback. Um, Phasers are overloading. Yeah, phasers are overloading, says Harry. And and so Jamie says, ceasefire. She asks for suggestions and Tuvok says, well, we could reconfigure a photon torpedo to detonate at the appropriate frequency. I yelled, no more torpedoes. We this is another reason why you're almost home this and yet another photon torpedo. Yes. Yeah, no, no. Uh, but that could that could um, get around this whole feedback problem. So in theory, it might yeah. work. Janeway says, do it. We go back to the rise. Um, the natives are trying to watch. Mm-hmm. Seven says they're too close. They need to go back. Chakotay moves them back. Um, but the girl, Autumn Reeser, kind of sneaks around. To she get doesn't get zapped closer. yet. She doesn't get zapped yet. Not no. yet, yeah. but she sneaks around. She's sneaking around. Away looking. from the group. So yep. they don't notice. Yep. She's away from the group. Sneaks yep. around to get a little closer. Kim says, um, uh, back on the bridge, Kim says, you know, the energy barrier is coming down. Janeway's like, wait, wait. I thought you were still reconfiguring the torpedo to Tuvok. He's like, I am. It's just being deactivated from the inside. So Janeway asks Harry to scan for life signs. Kim says, aye, Captain. And all the audience breathes a sigh of relief. We do yeah, not we have to waste that photon torpedo because that we God don't knows have. We, we don't even have that photon nope, torpedo. We ran out a long yeah, time ago. That's right. Um, we go back up to the rise. Um, Seven's doing her thing. We see this energy. It seems to be working when suddenly she goes to touch Autumn Reeser goes to touch the the shuttle and yeah. her magnetic bracelet starts charging up starts and charging yeah. and Seven says take it off but it's too late she gets zapped by this energy the magnets in the in these rocks she was playing with uh, or mess, mess it all up curiosity killed the autumn or yes. almost killed the autumn yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. back on the bridge Harry says he only reads one com badge at Seven's I like um, my delivery of that line. It was oh, very, nice. it was very, I put some layers in there where it was sort nice. of like, oh, Chakotay's dead kind of a thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you, know what I'm, yeah. you know where I'm going with that? Like that's yeah. kind of, I, I, I add a little. It should it. feel, the Jeopardy should feel yeah. real here. They, yes. It's still yes. not looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do make contact. Seven talks to Janeway. Janeway wants to lock on to Chakotay and Seven says, uh, 
or lock them to them both. But yeah. seven says, just take Chakotay. I need more time. Yeah. And send seven, a med kit. Send yeah. a med kit to me. And uh, seven says, I can treat it. I just need a med kit. And yeah. so we go to a flyby and captain's log supplemental. Seven mm -hmm. has remained on the surface to tend to the Ventu girl while Chakotay yeah. is being treated in sickbay. Now we're in sickbay. And the doctor says, wow, well, the the banana leaf healed the fracture and the infection. I'm impressed. I was like, he's been down there for 48 hours. How does a How banana leaf heal a broken bone? It's not science. What's the no. Robbie, what's the time frame on earth to heal a broken leg or a bone typically? Isn't it like eight weeks to it's, 12 weeks, yeah, something like that? Four probably? to six weeks before you get any kind of and it could be it could be eight or twelve weeks. And by the way, how does the doctor even know he had a broken bone? He just knows Chicote was injured. If it's healed, would he, he would know that it was healed? Oh, I don't know. Like I don't know. I, I, I just felt like this banana leaf. That is, yeah. So everybody out there, grab a banana leaf and yeah. wrap it all around your body. <laughs> you will be cured of everything. <laughs> it seems like. Well, if you get a banana leaf from what. From these we, guys. But we don't know. We don't know what the herbs were that they we also don't. put on there. There's there's some really good juju going on there. It's That's, really good. Yeah. Yes. It's Avatar. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's, it's miracle stuff. Yeah. Um, Chicote is very worried that they've traumatized them. And, uh, and uh, he wants to transport all the shuttle debris back so that, you know, yeah. they don't have any record of their existence with these people. Correct. And we go back down with Seven in the cave. The girl wakes up. Um, mm -hmm. She touches Seven's hand. They have a nice moment. And then they have some hand signals. They sure do. Uh, she said, Seven says, it's time for me to leave. And she makes a hand signal. Mm -hmm. And the girl replies, where? And it's the first time that Seven used hand signals. So I, I love that being the thing that, you know, she just slowly was getting more and more relaxed mm -hmm. and more more in touch in tune and connected to these these people yeah um and the girl gives her a blanket uh, or offers her a blanket as a gift yes it's a parting gift but we also we also hear boris's voice uh the actor who you Ivar broger yes and we yes. and you hear him say these but these botanical specimens indicate a high level of serum nitrates Seven walks out. Is like, what are you? Who are you? Why are you here? And he's like, Oh, oh, you're you must be from Voyager. She's like, Who are you? He says he's Boris. He's the expedition leader, and they're there to conduct scans, evaluate the potential of this habitat in terms of resources and this and that. They have yeah, anthropological they research, medicine, going oh, and infrastructure. God, they're jazzed. And, uh, been, he said yeah. he really did the Ventu a favor. Yeah, yeah, uh -oh. by lowering that force field. And Seven's uh -oh. like, Oh, oh, what have I done? It's going to yeah. be like Avatar. All those mm -hmm. giant machines are going to come in and ruin the, the, the forest. <laughs> this is the beginnings of Avatar. It really is. Yeah. I know. Did you ever Cameron see the movie Fern Gully? Fern Gully was a cartoon a feature uh, animated film back in the 90s, I think. Fern Gully. It's about the rainforest in South America. It's a wonderful okay. environmental it's very much like this. I love, I'm just sidebar. Love it's Fern Gully. It's anime? What did you it's say? It's an animated, yeah. I think DreamWorks produced it back really? when they were making a lot of animated stuff. Oh, and, uh, I want to watch it now. Yeah, Fern Gully is a great okay. animated film. Yeah, about oh. the environment and about 
the rainforest. And we need more environment like stuff. Avatar that's long sure. before Avatar. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, we go to the the ready room, and Chakotay is wound up. He's like, "We got to put that barrier back up." And yeah. um, Seven's kind of torn here. She's like, "Well, maybe you know, exposure to technology and things will be good for them." And Chakotay's like, "How do you know what's best for them?" And she yeah. realizes, "I can't." You're right. Yeah. And Seven really kind of makes the case with Chakotay. She's like, "When I first met them, I thought they were." very primitive and of little interest, but I came to realize that they're resourceful and very self-reliant people and Mm -hmm. their isolation um, might limit their potential, but it will also, um, you know, if, if the isolation ends, their whole way of life is going to be ruined. Right. So she makes a case to the, to the captain and we cut on the bridge and there's uh, the ambassador again um, thanking us for opening up the the barrier, letting them now explore, and she's like, "Nope, we're gonna you're gonna have to get out of there. We're gonna you know restore this this thing, and uh, you better get your people out of there because you don't want them to be trapped inside like ours were." Yeah, and uh, and he says this is really important. Yeah, you know this is our, does... our living history. We need to research this. But she yeah. said, "Janeway's like, nope." Yeah, no, but he does no. make one final plea. He does say, in the spirit of cooperation, I hope you'll reconsider, which kind of yeah. sounds like something Janeway would say. It's too, a bit of a so. threat, too. It's a, yeah, yeah. yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And then he says at the end, okay, I'll make the arrangements, but it yeah. doesn't seem convincing. No. And uh, no. a little time later, we're on the bridge, and Harry says we've transported all of that debris yeah. Onto, back onto the ship. There's nothing of ours left down there. Um, Seven's ready to go with a deflector array. When, bam, there's a hit. Yeah. Uh, Ladosian vessel is charging weapons on an intercept course. Yeah. Um, our transporters are offline. Um, they hail us and they say, we're not going to let you restore that barrier. Yeah. It's the ambassador again, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, you know, we, we only targeted your transporters, Captain. We didn't want to hurt your people. Yeah. I hope you'll show the same restraint. Yeah. I love her response when she says, I don't find weapons fire of any kind restraint. <laughs> I love that. She's yeah. calling him on his trying to get out of what he did, not yeah. take responsibility for firing on them. I know. Um, but he basically says, look, if, if you want to avoid any further conflict, I, I suggest you Hightail it. Get out of here. So it looks like they've got the upper hand. Janeway yeah. thinks for a second. She's like, where's Tom? Get me Tom. Yeah. Well, well she said, take us out of orbit. So it looks like we're leaving. Sort of yeah. give us some time, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then she wants to talk to Tommy boy, who's still in the midst of his lesson. Yes. <laughs> and Tom uh, gets called January to Paris, respond. Um, and the, the driving instructor is not happy. He's like, please do not interrupt my student during his examination. Uh, Janeway says, no, this is important. I'm sending you some encrypted orders. And then, uh, Tom reads them real quick and does a 90 degree turn. Some real cool flying starts here. That Um, was a nice maneuver when you just, it was like a rotation, a roll and a, and a, oh, it it was so beautiful. Sweet, sweet flying. Sweet flying. Yeah. And, uh, Driving instructor's not happy. He's highly irregular, he says. Mm. Um, going much too fast, but uh, um, Paris very politely says, I wish I could you know, listen to you, sir, but I really do, but uh, I gotta take care of this. 
And now Paris is under attack. The Lodosian ship is firing at him. Yeah. And uh, Janeway says on the bridge, give him some help. We cut back and forth basically between the flyer and the bridge. Yeah. And the bridge does kind of, you know, Tuvok sort of gives you a little time. He, he gets that ship off of your off of your tail. Paris beams in the whole Lodosian expedition party into the back of the Delta Flyer. And Ivar Broger is back there. <laughs> cannot believe what is happening he tries to come up at, at tries he tries come- he tries to bum rush you but then there's a force field that you've put up so yes yes um and it was so fun to see Ivar broger in a scene again after yeah. we had we had worked together when i was directing mm-hmm. now we're just acting together it was great yeah. paris finds the deflector gets a lock on it but his transporters are offline um so janeway says you've got to get out of there then if your transporters are offline get out of here and Paris, Paris is like, Mm-mm. no, I got an idea. Not yet. I yeah. love that. Yay, now, ideas. You've been talking about this. He's like, why, does it, why doesn't Paris come up with an idea? He's got yes. all the all the wisdom of being such a great pilot. So now we have this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And he basically does what Chakotay and Seven did in the opening scene, fire some phasers through, you know, from the deflector into the 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 barrier to open it up for a second, but because it's Tom this time, I, I'm going to interpret, he's able to get through that hole just before it closes. Okay, so no, well, this is how I, I think you saw it differently than I did. So you're saying you fired and uh, and you got a hole and went in. No, I say that there is no shield up yet. You fire at the thing that stopped the shield from being up, it explodes, and then the shield starts to starts close. Starts to close, and, and he goes, out. yes. yes. But Does that sound right? Out, yeah. that, that sounds right. Okay. He gets out just in the nick of time. He's Last second. Because yeah. he's the best pilot in the Alpha Quadrant. Yes. Um, and right before you do that, you are you have been failed by Clegg, by the way. Yes, he that's true. <laughs> Which is fine. I think I said something like, something tells me that's not going to be not a gonna problem. Not going to be a problem. Yeah, because you can't pilot in Lodosian space. We're not staying yeah, here after this anyway. Not, so yeah. see ya. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we go to Cargo Bay and Chicote and Seven have their last scene together. And, you know, we talked about it before, like there wasn't a lot of flirting with the two of them in this episode, but there were moments. And this is definitely one where, you know, they're sort of decompressing together about this experience. And uh, it's a bonding moment. Definitely. It's, a, it's definitely a bonding moment. But you felt there was a, a hint a of flirtation of a when he seduction. says, I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be back on Voyager. And she's like, as am I. So yeah, that moment. There. I felt like that moment for sure. Mm-hmm. I also think that it's not just Beltran. I feel like set, uh, Jerry Ryan must have known where they were headed, that, that maybe that was going to happen. Maybe. And she was behaving much softer with Chakotay in this story. Okay. In this, and okay. particularly this scene. Okay. Normally she's all business with... It doesn't matter if it's Janeway or, you know, whoever she's all business, but she was very, you know, much more vulnerable and softer in this scene. So I felt like they were both teeing it up just a little bit, just a little bit. Well, I could see her being softer because she did use Chakotay in the holiday, holo Chakotay as, you know, her social lesson. So I feel maybe that's influencing her, Mm -hmm. but as far as Chakotay being seductive in his lines, I, I honestly, my didn't read really was that it. he was still business, even at the very end. Uh, mm. And I didn't detect the hint as much as you did. Okay. So, okay. yeah. Well, that's our episode. So what is your, that what's is... your lesson? Did you uh, get any type of yes, uh, lesson? I did. I got a, I got a lesson that 
the lesson I have is every action has a ripple effect. So be careful. Oh, every action that we take is going to have a ripple effect. So be intentional, be aware, be conscious of what you're doing, because mm. you could have ripple effects that you don't even anticipate. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to say my lesson comes from uh, Autumn Reeser's character and a little bit from Chakotay, but sometimes you got to stop and smell the roses. You got to literally mm -hmm. just stop rushing through life and go out and enjoy nature. Go on a hike. Go go to the ocean. Get in the ocean. I mean, nature is a very restorative and healing place for all human beings to frolic in. So I'm going to yeah. say just slow down and slow down, the get roses. in the ocean, yeah. except if you live near me in Utah where there is no ocean. So, well, that's why I said hike. So you can oh, hike yeah. okay. in Utah. Okay. So hike okay. in the Utah uh, mountains and swim in the uh, oceans. If you're near an ocean, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Deal. Okay. Okay. Ratings. Um, I, as I said, <laughs> did not love this episode. Cannot wait to hear this rating. I did not. I I didn't find uh I think because the guest actors couldn't speak really like all and, and I think it was the right choice but it needed something to keep it you know um engaging and keep the emotional stakes really high and engaged yeah. and I didn't feel like often it did it felt very slow and pondery yeah. and because yeah. there was no dialogue between them yeah um so I didn't love it, to be honest. Okay. I like the themes and the ideas. I just didn't think it wasn't really dynamically shot, in my opinion. It wasn't. Okay. I felt like, yeah, you get my point. Yeah. Because I would have gone lower, but I do think that the traffic school story was funny. And the fact that uh, that Tom got to be Tom Paris and, mm -hmm. and have an idea and show off some flying that I don't think we've ever seen in seven years. We've never seen much of that. I agree. Um, whereas, you know, some of the new Star Treks and things, you'll see some cool flying. Yeah. And we just didn't do it. Maybe it was no. too expensive. Maybe it was probably just too expensive. So we didn't mm -hmm. do it. Um, so I feel really happy for that storyline. I think. So that raises your rating a little bit. It though. does raise it. It okay. still does not raise it very high. I'm going to give right. this a six. Oh, that's actually more generous than I thought you would be. Okay. I would have given it a four. I think the mm. the the traffic school story to me bumped it up quite a bit because it, it had a beginning, middle, and end. It involved all the characters. You guys got to tease me. I had a nice scene with Janeway. I got to, you know, Tom got to do to be a part of the A story, which you didn't see coming. So I think that storyline really raised it a lot. Otherwise it would have been probably a four. Yeah, I don't have you? as many issues with this as you do, clearly. Really? Okay. Yeah, so, and because of the B storyline with Tom Paris and because of my UCLA and Burger King commercial alumni, Autumn Reeser, I'm going to give this one a 7.2. So I'll go, I'll go higher okay. than you for sure. Okay, yeah. Well, let's see what the captain and admiral's average rating for natural law is. 6.5. Ah, 6.5. So right between you and me. Between us. Yeah. yeah Six right, and in the right in the yeah. middle. There you go. Um, nice. Okay. Well, there you yeah. go. I just want to remind uh, Patreon uh, patrons stick around for this behind the scenes uh, home video that I shot. 
And I do want to say, as I'm digging through, as we're getting near the end, I'm getting nostalgic. I found a uh, natural law script. You can yeah. see it right there. Nice. I found, a, I found a natural law script. Nice. Here it is. We're going to put that on the store. It's even got some appointment that I had written on the back. Um, if you, There's an address if you want to go there and see where I went in 2001. I have no idea. Um, but that was my personal script. It's probably some business errand thing that you had to go do. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. But, uh, yeah, there you go. Garrett, what is next week's episode? Homestead. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> we may have a special guest for that. We may have the, we we may just have might. the yeah. Neelix. We might have the Neelix. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our recap and discussion of natural law. And join us next week when Robbie and I will be tackling the episode where we see the tearful exit of Neelix. Yes, we do know that officer. about it. Yeah, we do know that we but that was a yeah that episode. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember all the, the details that, about it, but the episode where Ethan it, Phillips left us early emotional. was yeah. was emotional. So yeah, big time. Okay, so Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for your bonus material and super bonus material because we have Robbie's home movies yes, from the uh, behind the scenes of yes, this do. episode, Natural Law that we will get to see. I'm very excited to see this for the first time. All right. See you next Thanks, week. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.